in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 78 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. We don't have any Giants in, in franchise history who wore number 78, at least not in the regular season. But it's a good idea to quickly talk about the 1978 Giants. Do you know a lot about them, Andy? The 1978 Giants. Okay, let's see. I would have been three years old. Um, and uh, the Giants were probably the last team I was thinking about right then. Um, yeah. Hmm. No, I don't really have any good 1978 Giants knowledge for you. Well, you know, this is the team that in a shortened season like this, they would have been a legendary team because they started off wildly, wildly hot. They they actually contended. They were a surprising contender. And when you look back at the team, they had like Willie, Willie McCovey uh, was 40, but they had Bill Madlock, Daryl Evans, Jack Clark, like a lot of serious talent, a 28-year-old Vita Blue. But what's fascinating to me about them, and I'm not going to do the whole podcast about this, was it's the healthiest pitching staff I have ever seen. They had three starts made by someone who wasn't one of who wasn't in their rotation. They had uh, like four relievers who stayed healthy all year, and then five relievers who picked up uh, three innings here, eight innings there. It's fourteen pitchers the whole year on the pitching staff. That's it. That's the, all the pitchers they used. It's the healthiest pitching staff I've ever seen. Wow. Wow. I, and uh, you, you can, of course, flash to the 2012 Giants, and that's one of my favorite trivia questions. Other than Matt Cain, Madison Bumgarner, Ryan Vogelsong, Tim Linscombe, and Barry Zito, those five starters made 161 starts. Who started Game 162? <sighs> In This is 2012. Game 162. Yes, oh, it's going to be someone so delightfully random. Uh, you know, it, it's it, is this Yasmira Petit? era or is it too late too early uh well petit was part of that team and actually i'm looking at the stats now and it does credit petit with the game started but i don't remember him starting a game um the 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 answer that i was going for um although i'm gonna have to pin this to make sure it's an accurate trivia question now that i'm looking at this is eric hacker they called him up to start the back end of a double header when they (laughs) needed six games in uh, in five days but but yeah, now I'm seeing that there that Petit was credited with the start as well. So now I'm completely flummoxed. Maybe he started game 162, the last game of the season. I'll bet you that's it. Well, yeah, I did. That's still remarkable. Um, you know, but real, just last bit on the 1978 Giants. Uh, the lowest ERA in the 1978 Giants. It was by a gentleman who pitched three scoreless innings. Uh, Terry Cornut. <laughs> Terry Cornut. Terry Cornut. Oh, just a delightful name. All right. Well, we are almost here. as good a name as Steve Schartz. Almost as good a name as Steve Schartz. Oh, <laughs> oh Terry Cornut. Well, uh, Terry Cornut, let's see. He was one for two as a hitter in his career. Uh, he, uh, no, yeah, no, he's 0 for 1. He never got a hit. He struck out. And that's relevant because we're talking about the DH today. And it seems extraordinarily likely that the days of pitchers hitting. Uh, are over. 
and it's sort of unceremonious how this is all going on because everyone's focused on, uh, you know, the, everything being awful and and the pandemic, and it's sort of just sneaking in because really it's not that big a deal in the the cosmic scheme of things. But there's probably going to be a DH for the rest of baseball, and we should talk about that. Yeah, it almost feels like what is going on on a larger scale. It's there's so much confusion. Some of it's you know artificially created uh, so you don't notice some of these other things that we're doing that we've been wanting to do for a long time and we're going to sneak that past you right now and uh, baseball's you know this is sort of a product of trying to get the players to the table trying to give them something that they want trying to do something that they know is inevitable Um, I I am bummed out I won't lie Um, you know the last time I saw a pitcher hit was probably Madison Bumgarner uh, pinch hitting against Clayton Kershaw and we thought that was the end of an era for one reason because it was mad bum but it turns out it was the end of a much bigger era of of, of pitchers hitting, and uh, and I, I I love the NL game. I I'm I'm not always a purist, but I don't want the universal DH. You know, I, I would I would much rather that they, you know, turn the uniforms into giant stock cars and advertise everything <laughs> out there. Um, the good fo- folks at uh, Roman and uh, and Hawthorne and all of them can 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 uh, have logos on the Giants' uh, jerseys, but uh, um, but I, I want my I want my pitchers hitting. I want my pitchers hitting. The arguments uh, against pitchers hitting, I've always just kind of rolled my eyes at because it's like, don't you want to see good hitters? And it's you, you take that to its logical conclusion, and you have well, I would love to see someone like uh, um, Jose Molina. Uh, behind the plate rather than Nick Hunley or something. Should we have designated catchers, designated shortstops? Uh, aesthetically, I think that would be better. But you know what? That's not that's not what I what I like. Uh, I like the idea of uh, pitchers at bat. It's sort of the mystery box of baseball, and you know it's probably going to be bad. But every so often, you hit you hit the the Kino numbers, you hit the power ball, and it, it makes baseball just that much more unpredictable, that much sillier and fun. And, you know, some, most of the time what's in the box is, uh, uh, you know, Brad Pitt's opening the box at the end of seven. Uh, but <laughs> sometimes it's you get the car in the game show and that's what's in the box. And I love that. It's just when baseball is less weird, it's less interesting. And I'm not saying you need to have pitchers hit every inning, but it's just that added little, you know, mystery box that I enjoy. I just love how managers have to calibrate where that pitcher's spot is always know i mean nobody goes to the ball game and says sonny you're gonna see yourself a show today we're gonna see some double switches but it is something that you know i i definitely look out for that managers look out for that you know where the pitcher spot's coming up you know can i i would ideally like to you know bridge this inning with this reliever but that means he's gonna have to hit um you know i how many times did were we blessed with santiago casilla and jeremy affelt at bats uh, or plate appearances, because uh, Casilla did walk once, amazingly enough. Um, it, I, I love the strategy element. It's not just, you know, getting every pitching matchup and just having, you know, a conga line of pitchers and you can replace them whenever you want, but there's just another wrinkle there. And for me, I, I feel like this has all become a self-fulfilling prophecy of what I really don't like about sports and what I really don't like about trends in baseball is just specialization. I, I, they always say, don't, you know, 
go play travel ball, followed by summer ball, followed by winter ball. You should play basketball, football, and, you know, hockey, whatever else you want to play. Um, you know, you should be well-rounded. You should you should enjoy hitting and pitching. It's all part of participating in the game. And unfortunately, because there's been so much specialization uh, on the amateur level, um, the whole notion of, well, pitchers can't hit, no one pays to see pitchers hit, now you've got guys coming to the big leagues who have hardly any experience hitting, and so of course they're lousy at it. And then that only reinforces the notion that no one wants to see these guys hit, because now they're hitting 120 instead of 160. And you can see in the, the numbers that, that pitchers have gotten worse and worse. So now it's it's gotten to the point where it's obvious that, that there's no entertainment value and there's no, you know, the pitchers hardly ever get a hit anymore. And so no one wants to, to watch, uh, as Matt Sch- Max Scherzer once said, watch him swing a wet newspaper up there. Um, so you know that that's the part that bothers me is is that sort of we funneled ourselves into this. Uh, it became a self fulfilling prophecy that pitchers got worse and worse and worse to the point where now it's obvious even some of the people who didn't want a DH are now swayed into it because pitchers are so bad at hitting. And that's the part that bothers me. Let's pause to tell you about Hawthorne. Smelling good is important. Hawthorne smells really good. Getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. Here's how it works. Take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you. One for work, and one for play. Totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E, and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co, and use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. And use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co I'm in the middle of researching a or an article about pitchers hitting walk-off home runs. And that sounds ridiculous, but... Uh, there were a few every decade. Uh, Wes Farrell, who look him up. Like if you think Bumgarner was a good hitter, look up Wes Farrell. He was he was outstanding. He hit uh, a walk off home run in 1934, a walk off home run in 1935. Um, they just pitchers were better hitters back then, and it's also because you know the, it wasn't as hyper specialized. Everyone was a worse hitter technically. You know, the, even the best hitters were worse than the the worst hitters today, if that makes sense. Um, and you, you you do miss that the hyper specialization. I think has made better pitchers. It's made better hitters, but it's made uh, worse hitting pitchers. And I get that. At the same time, when you bring up Santiago Casilla, that is exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to the mystery box. Five postseason appearances, or five postseason, five uh, hitting appearances, plate appearances. And the first one was legendary because he w- he went up there against Jose Seda of the Marlins, and he had no intention of swinging the bat. He did not want to be in the ballpark for the at bat. He wanted to to just sort of hang out in the dugout and say, "All right, just just ring me up, ump. Just just three called strikes." And the pitcher couldn't throw strikes. Just four balls to a pitcher or to a hitter who is standing outside of the hitter's or the batter's box, basically. And it was fascinating. It was just a fascinating at bat. And his next at bat, he he strikes out swinging, of course. But then after that, what does he do? He with the bases loaded, he gets an RBI. He gets a hit. 
It'd be he the bases loaded in the eighth inning in in 2012. He gets a hit. He has an RBI. And then what happens in the at bat after that? Three days later, he tries to leg out an infield hit and flies off the base like a like an exploding jack in the box. Santiago Casilla packed more into his five career plate appearances than most pitchers do over a career. And I'm going to miss the hell out of that. And he was told, it was at Coors Field, he was told, don't bust it down the line. Don't do it. And and he just smelled that hit and he went for it. And he pulled his hamstring and put himself on the disabled list. Yeah. Um, I think he missed like a month. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, and, but I do remember that first plate appearance. I mean, those heels were fully over the back line of that batter's box. And, and I forget, I, I, I want to say you wrote something for SB Nation and you had a screen grab of Casilla sort of, uh, giving that mean mug stare back to the pitcher with his eyes half closed. I just envisioned that and it just makes me giggle. It, that was so, so funny. See, that the first one in 2011, Jeff Sullivan wrote the definitive piece on that, and I hated him for it. That was the first year <laughs> I was a professional baseball writer. The Giants were my, my beat on the side, and Jeff Sullivan wrote this fantastic uh, piece about that at bat. And, you know, his graphic was uh, that Casillo was standing a full Dustin Pedroia away. It was a Pedroia was the unit of measurement, and he like photoshopped this little Dustin Pedroia between Casilla and home plate. And uh, mine was the second one, that strikeout swinging, and it was just sort of he was up there, and I was just just poking so much fun at him. And that's one of that's one of uh, the pieces that people still bring up to me a decade later. It just made people giggle because the whole situation was funny. And then four months later, he gets a bases loaded single. I love it. And then a week after that, you know, Sproing goes the hamstring. An amazing legacy of hitting. I think I have to write about it again. Um, but yeah, that that's what I'll miss. I think that, you know, maybe it's a niche appreciation for all the little quirky things within the game. Um, but I, I love that. I mean, that is, that's my bag. And I think that's your bag too. Um, you know, of course we all want to see the stars, the Mike Trouts, the Ken Griffey Juniors, the, you know, um, the Shohei Otani's, the 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 you know the, the Randy Johnsons in their prime. I mean, we all we all go to see the stars and to see the power and to see the um, the performance. But I love all the weird stuff that can happen within the game. And pitchers hitting is weird, and it just adds that element of the unexpected, like you said. Um, and, and and also it's, it can provide some pretty iconic moments, whether it's Madison Bumgarner or or um, Barry Zito putting down that bunt in the postseason. Yeah. Um, you know, it can really off Justin Verlander. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I just, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where you're taking a little bit of the quirkiness and weirdness out of the game, and I think that's going to make the game less fun, to be honest. One of the arguments for keeping the, the status quo and just having one league with DH and one with not is that when you poll National League fans, they like pitchers hitting. When you poll American League fans. They like the DH. It seems like once you get used to this idea, you, you like it. And and it's just, it's. I think the differences are fine. And I, I'm going to read a tweet from John Boyce, uh, who is a MacArthur Grant-level genius, uh, if you don't know. Uh, his, his reaction to this is, uh, quote, sucks. Having DH in one league and not the other was perfect. One offered the possibility of guys basically becoming golfers and hitting dingers until they were 54. The others let us watch pitchers bat, which is like watching elephants paint. It ruled. 
end quote. I mean, that, that, that's perfect. It's, it's just, it's, it's the range of possibilities. You like the DH, you like the DH. And yeah, I don't, hey, it's fun to watch uh, big, beefy dinger lords, you know, do their thing. But National League fans, they're not sitting here going, Ugh. I mean, it is frustrating when you're watching a game and the bases are loading two outs and the pitcher comes up or or the other manager walks the bases loaded to get to the pitcher. Like, I get it. And it's not as if the DH in the National League will be without its iconic moments. I mean, I don't know, maybe Travis Ishikawa would have been the DH and, and we'd still be talking about it today. Um, but it's just... I don't know. I liked the differences, and it's not that big of a deal in interleague play to say, okay, home park rules. I mean, sorry, that's just not that overwhelming of a hurdle. Yeah, yeah. I do like that idea, uh, and not surprisingly, because I like a lot of John Boyce's ideas, but you, know, <laughs> you like the DH, you don't like the DH, hey, have we got a league for you. Um, it does. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, and it wasn't even that weird when they would... Uh, when you would go through interleague play, I mean, teams can find someone to DH on their bench, or um, you know, when and when American League pitchers would hit, you know, it, I, I, the other thing I don't really put a lot of credence into is is you hear this anti DH argument that well, you know, pitchers are never going to have to uh, answer for you know headhunting or pitching inside because they're never going to have to bat. I don't feel like like AL pitchers take a lot more license than NL pitchers do because AL pitchers, you know, hardly ever have to hit. Um, it, it was kind of funny that the the Mets basically waited like a decade to get back at Roger Clemens. And when Sean Estes finally had a chance to throw at him, he threw behind him. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't think that that's really a factor. I, I don't think there's a lot of that headhunting that goes on in any way. So um, yeah, that one I kind of dismiss. But for all those other reasons that we've talked about, I, I, I'll be sad if, if this is the end of, of uh, pitchers hitting in the National League. And to be clear, it, 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 it's the end. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like uh, the Players Association wants the DH. Uh, the the owners want the DH uh, as a bargaining chip to say, well, we've given you this extra roster spot that you can make salary on. Now you give us a concession. And I, I think this is it. It's going to get... Uh, I, I do think it, it makes sense if there's going to be some sort of uh, weird alignment for the 2020 season where you've got the Rangers and the Giants in the same division, but maybe you have just two AL teams in this makeshift division and and, and uh, eight NL teams. And so it's not fair to the AL teams to... You know what I mean? Like, I get it for 2020. Do what you have to do. But this this is it. I, I'm, I'm just assuming that the DH is, is going to be around forever. Yeah. No, I, every, everything that's being reported is that this is something that is a component that's been agreed to. Uh, it's definitely something the players want because, you know, you, you look at the the giant salaries, the giant contracts that have been signed in recent years. They're almost all American League teams. And it's because you have that DH that you can move Albert Pujols to or, or Robinson, uh, uh, Robinson Cano to or Prince Fielder to. I mean, you know, all these guys signed with AL teams for a reason. Um and, you know, and there are exceptions. Obviously, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper were younger when they signed their free agent contracts. So, um, you know, and they signed with National League teams. But, uh, it, yeah, it, it is something that I think is going to open open up uh, contracts to get longer. And, and, and that's obviously something that the Players Association wants. They want to set, the, set those be- benchmarks for their top tier stars. And those stars can probably get a few more years on their contract if, if there's a, a DH that's available to all 30 teams instead of just a 15 or 16. Let's take a quick 
quick timeout to tell you about Dugout Mugs, a company that started in a college dugout. Licensed by Major League Baseball, your favorite team, laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. Perfect for the big game, to put on display, or to be the life of the party. Unique gift for a baseball fan. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. I do understand that we'll get used to it. And I think the last thing I wrote about the great DH debate uh, was for SB Nation a few uh, years ago. And it was basically like, I'm, I'm tired of the debate. It, it really, it's not going to make me dislike baseball, um, whatever. It's going to just take away that little, you know, just like the intentional walk uh, to, to a greater extent than the intentional walk rule where you just hold up four fingers and the guy's on first. You're just removing, you know, one more Jenga piece of weirdness that really held the structure together in my head. Uh, but at the same time, like, look, we'll get used to it. Uh, Astros fans get used to them being in the American League. Brewers fans are used to them being in the National League. You, you get used to these things. It just... Stinks. Like I just, I just don't like it. Everyone's like, "Well, Bumgarner really wasn't that good of a hitter," and that's true. Like if you if you compare like Madison Bumgarner's career line with Johnny Lamaster's, I can't remember the difference in OPS, but it's really not that different. It's not that different. A, a batting line. He's basically Johnny Lamaster. But he was better than other pitchers, and it was that little... And you watched, and you watched because he was going to swing from the heels. And not every pitcher is Madison Baumgartner, but you have Levon Hernandez, you have Mike Leake. They're these guys that come around, and they're just more interesting. Don Robinson, you know, they're just... You want to watch them, and it makes the game that much more watchable. Yeah, Carlos Zambrano, he was yes. one. Mike Hampton was a pretty good hitting pitcher. Yes. Um, and, and what I think was most fun about watching Bumgarner hit is that he loved it. He, he yes. just lick his chops waiting for that at bat. He just loved doing it. And, uh, um, you know, I, I just think that taking pride in what you do thing is something that 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 transcends, you know, that, that jumps off the field and into the stands. You can you can sense that with the players who really just enjoy doing something and uh, uh, or, or the novelty of it. I mean, Bumgarner, he never missed a chance to take BP, especially at Coors Field. Uh, or Arizona, he loved taking BP in those places, and it would be like me going to the driving range trying to, you know, bomb them as as and hit the back fence or something. Just, just see how how hard I can if I can ring the strength bell, you know, uh, uh, slam that hammer down and, and and see if I can ring the bell and win a prize. It, that's that's the way he went about it. It was like country fair time for him. So uh, I I'm gonna miss it, and I'm sure he's gonna be bummed, and and maybe he's he's uh, doing some team roping right now with his free time and enjoying the heck out of that too. But oh, I. <laughs> I have to ask you, since we did talk about it on the Productive Outs uh, podcast the other day, have you had a chance to watch the Pat Perry video? I did. I watched the Pat Perry video, and friends, this is what we're talking about. Exactly. You know, set it up. This is this is what we like. Okay, so this is 1988. It's a Cubs game, and uh, Sean Dunstan steals uh, second base on Mike Maddox of the Phillies, and... Uh, Pat Perry, who is just a mild-mannered, you know, middle school math teacher of a baseball player, left-handed specialist. Uh, he's he's batting with the Cubs ahead by a couple runs. Uh, I guess they 
he, I guess he's pitching multiple innings here. And he's trying to put a bunt down, and they butcher boyed it uh, as Dunstan steals second base. But you can tell this pitch is like maybe a few inches inside, but he moves out of the way like this thing is a cobra going for his knee. I mean, you can tell he is afraid of the ball, um, which is the one thing as a baseball player you can't ever be, right? So <laughs> Dunstan steals second base, and then Mike Maddox is playing cat and mouse with him. He's stepping off. He's throwing over. They almost pick him off once. Uh, they almost pick him off again. Dunstan's uh, jersey's just caked with dust by this point. He's kind of laughing because he, he thinks he's in the pitcher's head. There's another step off, another fake throw. I mean, th- this goes on like eight or nine times. It's crazy. And in the meantime, there's one more pitch to Pat Perry, and it's up high and a little in, not super in, but a little in. And Pat Perry, again, bails out of the box like this thing is coming right for his chin. Uh, so so there's like, you know, there's no chance. There's zero chance that Pat Perry is going to get a hit here. And then finally, finally, uh, Maddox goes to the plate and he throws and Pat Perry swings. And it's one of those Mike Kruko put both cheeks into its swings. And I think the wind was probably blowing about 800 miles an hour that day at Wrigley Field. But it sneaks over the fence into the fourth row of the bleachers uh, in left field. And Pat Perry is rounding the bases. And you can tell he cannot believe he did what he just did. He gets in the dugout, and Mark Grace and Andre Dawson are high-fiving him. And it's it's <laughs> like, it would be like if you had a walk-off homer in Little League. I mean, it would it would, it would be, it, it, you don't see that kind of disbelief and, and joy at the same time on a baseball field because these guys are all pros. They all expect to do this. They expect to succeed. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment and the dramatic cat and mouse that led up to it. And and then and then of course uh, after you watch it, uh, the person who who taped it off of their TV, it's a really bad tracking. It's like <laughs> off a of VHS tape, um, but they also very thankfully put in the Budweiser post game highlights when Harry Carey returned, and then and then you can hear him say, "Hey, the Budweiser play of the game was Pat Perry," and you realize Pat Perry is the perfect Harry Carey name to say. So it's uh, Google Pat Perry's only big league home run. It's a great time. It's nine minutes of your life that you will absolutely not uh, feel you've wasted. And again, Pat Perry, he makes Javier Lopez look like Al Habrowski. Like he just, he just is, looks like the most mild mannered. We were laughing about his baseball card on the product, uh, Productive Outs video caster. Uh, and he just looks like, what, what are you doing? You should be back at accounting. Accounts receivable. Back, back. Um, no, it, and that, those are the moments that, you know, when you say the name Rick Camp, like, what are you thinking of? You know, are you thinking of a nondescript pitching career? No, you're thinking about an 18th inning home run uh, in a game the, the Braves actually lost. And if you're going to do anything, I guess this, this is the John Boyce uh, episode. But uh, Google Ku Sung, who was a 35-year-old Mets pitcher. John Boyce did an entire video. Uh, I think it's 15 minutes telling the story of his at-bat against Randy Johnson. And of course you need to watch it, but it's it's just, it's one of the better baseball moments and it captures the attention of someone like John Boyce who is looking for the greatest stories in sports. Uh, and so do yourself a favor, Google John Boyce, coup de sung, and... It, it's an amazing story. It's it's pitchers hitting it at its best. And you know what? If we're talking about pitchers hitting, we really do need to mention Rick Wise because Rick Wise threw a no-hitter for the Phillies and hit two home runs at the same time. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be one of the one of the greatest. I don't know if you can do a combined game score with pitching and hitting, but I mean, come on. That's got to be a major league record, right? 
that is, but I've got one because I again I'm researching this, and uh, there was oh gosh, uh, Claude Passeau. Do you know him as a Cubs fan growing up, Claude? I know, Passeau? I know the name. Yes, I do. Okay, so he was a very good pitcher in uh, or for the Cubs throughout the the forties and forties uh, and fifties. Uh, kind of a late bloomer, but in nineteen forty six. He threw a shutout against the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, It was at Wrigley Field. And not only did he throw the shutout, but it was a 0-0 game until the bottom of the ninth, and he hit the walk-off home run. Wow. Have yourself a day, Claude Passeau. And then, obviously, one of the craziest things that ever happened in Candlestick Park, Tony Clodinger became the first National League player to ever hit two grand slams in one game. And by the way, he was the Braves pitcher that day. I mean, that's that's. I remember like having like this baseball feats book when I was a kid, and that was in there. Tony Cl- uh, Cloninger hit two uh, grand slams in a game, and I'm like, wait, he was a pitcher? What? It, it just seems impossible. Um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that uh, that we're going to eliminate the possibility of ever happening. There's been one uh, walk off home run by a pitcher in the last. Oh, you're making me do math. In the last. Uh, uh, almost 50 years. And what it was, was bottom of the 12th inning. Giants are ahead. They're in San Diego. Giants are ahead 8-7. to seven, Or I'm sorry. Giants are ahead. Uh, uh, Giants are ahead. 8-7. to seven. <laughs> Sorry. I was doing math because it's like you're looking at what happened before the inning. Giants are ahead 8-7. to seven. Greg Minton is in for the save. Uh, and so he faces uh, the leadoff batter as Greg Nettles. Home run. Oh, gosh. The game's tied. It's 8-8 eight eight in the bottom of the 12th. But who hits the walk-off home run for the for the Padres? It's Craig Lefferts. Craig Lefferts of Giants fame. Craig Lefferts oh, would my. sprint in from the bullpen when he was called upon. Uh, became something of a minor fan favorite in, in San Francisco when he wasn't blowing saves. Uh, he hit a walk-off home run. That's the last walk-off home run by a pitcher. And I think it's it should be just as memorable as the Rick Camp home run because it came in the bottom of the 12th. It's hilarious. Um, but, but that's it. And I'm not saying that... Y- just because something happens every 30 years, you need to have the the rules of baseball just, you know, remain as is. But I do think we're going to miss just that much less, or we're just not that much quirkiness as, as, as we would have experienced in the past. Wow. I, yeah, I'm just Googling this now, and, and Dan Brown uh, wrote a really good uh, uh, retrospective on, on the Lefferts home run in 2017 and interviewed Lefferts about it. Oh, did he the jerk? I was going to look into that. Yeah, yeah, he did. I, you know, whenever you think, hey, this is a really quirky, great moment in Bay Area history, I'll bet you no one's written about it. And then you start Googling around, oh, no, Dan Brown wrote it. Oh, and, and, and he wrote this. And no, uh, I can't improve upon this. No, this is this is too good. This is too good. Yeah, he is good, the jerk. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I am in love with pitchers hitting. I always have been, uh, you, you can read it. It comes through in my writing when I'm, when I'm writing about the greatest home runs in Giants history, I'm making sure that Bumgarner off Kershaw is in there. I'm making sure that when Juan Marichal hits a, uh, walk off home run. Yeah. That's one of the greatest home runs in Giants history. I mean, uh, it, I love it. And it, it, I've watched a lot of pitchers hit in my time. You know what I mean? It's like if it were supposed to be so bad and so aesthetically awful, wouldn't I be tired of it? Wouldn't you be tired of it? And I just don't think that we are. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, if if it was so awful, we'd be clamoring for for uh, for for them to no longer 
be hitting and we'd be cheering this. But uh, the fact that we do have these strong opinions and, and we do have this endearing quality uh, of, of watching pitchers hit and these memories, yeah, that definitely colors my perception a little bit. I mean, if I look at it objectively, I, I do understand and I realize that, you know, it, it does make sense to have a DH, but gosh darn it, it's just not as fun. Now, for something I've experienced a lot that I'm tired of, uh, how about turning down the damn music at Dodger Stadium, huh? You know, <laughs> like we never got used to that. But when it comes to pitchers hitting, no, it's just, it's been like a nice, it's it's almost like a, oh gosh, what what is what is the new trend now? The um, ASMR, the Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And it's, it's like people will put up ASMR videos on YouTube and it helps them relax, sleep, work, whatever. It's basically just nothing. It, it's, it's someone just like uh, with a little brush doing a delicate cleaning and it's this video that lasts forever and people just put them on in the background because it's soothing. And pictures in a lot of ways are the ASMR videos of baseball and I will, I will miss them. I don't know. I, I know you will miss them too. One thing before we leave, I just want to make sure that everyone's aware. Barry Zito, 2008, he was 6 for 51. 2009, he was 6 for 51. 2010, he was 6 for 51. And these are the little tidbits that we're going to miss. Wow, even Chris Davis is impressed by that. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, his postseason career, 400 batting average. Of course. Yeah, there you go. It makes right. complete sense. All right. Well, this has been episode 78 of the Bags and Brisby podcast, in which a couple of grumpy old men moan about changes and things we don't like. But that's the way it was, and we like it. So we will see you on Monday, and we will probably... You know what? I have a feeling we're going to be back on Monday complaining about this, because I, I'm all riled up, darn it. Um, but thanks, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks to Tanika Smothers for producing the heck out of us, and we will be back 